Hello and welcome to a fresh series on Global Citizens. Hope you all have seen yourselves through a really rubbish time this year. And I know for most people, personally and professionally, this year has been rubbish. I can speak for myself here and say that the month of July, Jesus, it was really rubbish. Anyway, I noticed a spoof cartoon that connected with me really well which read as the best of lockdown creativity. So it basically had two astronauts in outer space conversing with each other where one astronaut says, "You know what? Um they say that 10 minutes in space is equivalent to one year on earth." So the other astronaut says, considering the whole coronavirus situation that's happening, says that, you know, let's just wait it out for 8.3 minutes so that when we walk out it's going to be january 2021 to those who got the reference to this joke well cheers to the rest welcome to my new episode and in this episode um i'm going to talk to you about education the boon the bane during this era we live in so somewhere that space and time consortium of 8.3 months through this year There have been a lot of things that have come through and um this I say whether it's India or globally there have been so many things in lockdown that we've noticed we've observed we've analyzed we've tried to sit down and think with think for ourselves and I I I think this pandemic has become a great leveler of sorts because to a lot of people who seemed very ahead of the curve this pandemic brought them down to you know a situation where they needed to be in the here and now with the rest of the world as well and that to a few people was really a struggle internally and the fact that people around were in either a different space altogether or did not connect previously could now connect and understand that you know there is a burst of creativity that happens within people in um at different times in their life and this pandemic somehow has um kind of made everyone come together and i actually like this song by frankie work called come together and i would play it right now but well we have a guest on this show so i'm going to take some time to introduce her and welcome her to the podcast This is the Frankie Ward song I was talking to you about. It's a nice song to listen to and generally gets you with a feeling of togetherness. And on that note, let's join hands this moment is right. Let me invite Deepta Vivekanand, an educator and a professional storyteller, to this podcast. Hi, Deepta. Hi, thanks for having me, Anu. So, I just wanted to know a brief bit about your educator background and your journey so far. Right. So, um, I didn't start as an Uh, I was in corporate learning and development though, so it was education, but in a in a different uh, setup, not necessarily in a school or a college. Um, so from that there, was Wipro. Into, sorry, yeah, that was Wipro. 
yeah, that was Wipro and um, a couple of other organizations before that as well. Um, so I was in what was called Corporate LND, Learning and Development. Um, so uh, from there is where my uh, education career per se began. Um, when I was trying to, you know, uh, move into storytelling uh, after a career in uh, corporate training. So this was about 10 years ago. Uh, and my foray into storytelling is what led me into education, actually. So uh, I started off by doing you know, a couple of courses on storytelling because as I was sitting in office one day uh, and I was you know, looking up uh, different ways in which I could engage my participants in my training sessions is when I came across storytelling as a methodology that was gaining a lot of traction uh, and this was 10 years ago so I, I sort of was you know quite intrigued by it and picked my interest um, and so one thing led to the other and I got very fascinated by this whole world of stories and storytelling as a teaching learning uh, tool so I quit my corporate career then and I went into storytelling full time and from there is when I went into uh, school education because uh, storytelling and school education are like, you know, they're a natural fit. So, and then from there on to, uh, you know, also higher education where I have been working with stories and of course I still stay in touch with um, corporate training uh, but now all of that is through stories and storytelling as a medium. That's interesting because corporate learning and development is like a whole section in itself and in this uh, episode I was talking about how education is the boon and the bane for you know people in this era because there is a lot of information b lack of information and misinformation instead of, rather than lack of information it's misinformation that gets spread so how do you you know weigh the pros and cons of the two being in the educational field right now uh well you are right i mean see the, a little knowledge is always Fact-checking, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so one does need to be very, very cautious in uh, dealing with such situations. And I think this is where something like, uh, you know, something like storytelling comes in very handy here because uh, a story really teaches you what is true, right? And that there can be multiple angles and multiple perspectives to a particular uh, but but somehow when you as you grow up in life you realize that the gray areas are the ones which where most of life happens right and uh, and this whole storytelling narrative because i come from a pr and media background so storytelling is essentially fact checking content and getting the exact narratives in place so how does this narratives the narratives play a role like say in your educator background to you know hoping that sensibilities of adults come into place but when it is younger kids in the picture how exactly do you function with the narratives and storytelling there 
Yeah, okay. Um, so, see, any kind of storytelling comes with its own sense of responsibility, right? So, uh, as an educator, when I tell a story to my class, I must, you know, uh, help them see the difference between what is fact and what is fiction. So, if I'm, let's say, uh, an educator of science and I want to talk about the sun and the moon as a chapter, and I choose to introduce, uh, a, you know, the chapter through a story about, um, you know, it could be a myth about the sun, it could be a myth about the moon. Um, and I use that story only as a trigger for the larger science that will follow, right? The story will never become the science. The myths will never become history. And it is up to me as a storyteller to be aware of this uh, this fine line that really that exists between the two because it's very easy to um, you know use one to explain the other and use that as the truth, right? And and children are very they're very very perceptive. A child will tell you. Oh, but that's just a story. That can't be true. Right? So, you need to work with that. Why it is important for us to tell children that, you know, there is something called imagination and fantasy and uh, fiction and that it is important because in many situations, fiction, um, you know, um, mirrors uh, the reality. Right? Now more it than ever. We, now more than ever, absolutely. What we thought of uh, decades ago as impossible is, is actually becoming true. The, you know, science fiction is not science fiction anymore. We are living through it. Talking so about as, science as, fiction, started the episode with the uh, intro of that, the Time and Space Consortium, and then now we are automatically just getting into it. Just shows how much this actually makes a difference in our lives. So, so like I was saying, as a, as a storyteller and as a story educator, it's very important to bring in that distinction. I When I tell a story, I will tell it as a storyteller and I will tell it without the emotion and the passion and, you know, the expressions and uh, the little uh, embellishments that I need to add to make the story engaging. But my job doesn't end there. As an educator, I have to now bring in the fact that either the, the story brings out or the story hides, right? And I have to find a way to make it relevant to the current context that we are living through. So asking, you know, uh, asking questions, signposting your students' thinking, and, you know, for something, for example, like, okay, so the story said this, but do you think this is how things are in reality, right? What has, what has been your observation? And then children are able to um, see the difference and also they're able to make the connection between fact and fiction, right? So, and you need both. You do need both. I think now it's also a holistic development that's come about with children. When we were growing up, of course, you belong to one generation behind me, I think. And uh, when when... My generation was, <laughs> yeah, um, but somehow 
like say for instance if i had to take 18 to 23 of my age was literally probably 23 to 28 of yours in ter- terms of learning and understanding you know and now that age gap is just going you know getting smaller and smaller because everybody knows everything so how is education yeah. in that space because you have the un uh, un sustainable development goal of 2030 to you know make education a holistic thing so that there is sustainable development in fact i was reading about yeah. it that the target by 2020 is to ensure that all learners acquire knowledge and skills needed to promote sustainable development through education so it's it falls on the educators as well to be learned and educate seen as a country in india it's kind of very rampant the whole education space which is cluttered and then you have organized so how how do you how do you how do you feel a country like india can bring a balance of the two or you know somewhere at least reach this target in the next 10 years so one needs to be uh, aware of what the realities are and what would be the obstacles in getting to that goal now um, the sdgs apart india also has just released its national education policy after it being in the works for many 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 years um, and, and, the, and the policy by itself is a great policy right but where it might become an issue is in its implementation so whether it's the un sustainable development goal of 2020 2030 or whether it's achieving what the nep sets out uh, for the country i think it all comes down to implementation um and that is really where many things break down so uh, i think currently educators are just grappling with just going online and making their classes um uh you know engaging interesting uh, there many of them are are uh, from a different generation so for them using technology itself is a huge huge step up um, so getting them to first of all become comfortable with this new way of teaching and meeting their children is some is is i think going to be the challenge that one needs to overcome in the next few years um having said that um i think how can you take away the focus from education when we talk about development it is really the bedrock of anything yeah if you want to create individuals who will go out and become responsible citizens then it has to start from school it has to start from the time you you know you get into grade 1 right uh, because this is not something that you can uh, teach in just a year it has to become a way of life so therefore it is up to the educators to keep you know talking about these things over and over again and also um there is a huge responsibility on the home front as well because many times what educators try to do the home front unders yeah right so there needs to be a coming together and a greater synergy of both uh, the 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 home and the school needs to function as one unit i know it's very ideal but if we're looking at you know reaching sustainable development goals and you know uh following what the policy sets out for us uh, to do 
there's going to be a lot of dots that need to be connected. So, so yes, educators are a big, big, big piece in all of this. And it's, it's not going to be easy. Um, the next 10 years will just, you know, it'll just go mm-hmm. past so quickly. Um, but we will probably, we will have made progress, I'm sure, but because at least now there is an increased awareness that existing education systems are not working. They are far too rigid. They are far too marks-based. Uh, they don't do anything for um, uh, for social emotional development of a child. So there is at least now that conversation that is happening. That sh- that should have happened from the time that you and I were in school, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. I guess that's why we uh, we we fall back in terms of the Western education system that's placed like the global levels of education. If you would have to pick one particular say global platform that we have to reach which would you be i mean which would you pick that india should be on par with oh i mean i can i can tell you for a fact that it's got to be finland but i know that that's not our reality as well um or any of the european sweden yes yeah 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 um they they obviously figured it out but then that's also because their countries are much smaller their their social and economic uh, uh, structures are very different uh, in india you cannot have a one size fits all solution for anything right so what works for a private school will not work for a private aided school will not work for a government school um, will not and, and in india you have so many boards you have the central board you have the state boards you have the private boards so you know where does one begin really um so so that's really where we are i think we have to figure this all out one step at a time um baby steps and that itself will take us the next 5 years <laughs> yeah coming coming to the nep that you spoke about the educational policy that's come about after like 34 years that we waited for a new change in the system that's firstly made our education look like dinosaur fossil and uh, then on top of that when you mentioned the one size fits all and we have the whole situation with the multilingual aspect coming in so how do you think the perception of the new nep has been so far and like how is india going to implement a very visionary policy to be honest because we all want a great education system for the ones who are coming after us but considering that technology the relationship between technology and education is bidirectional how i mean you know how exactly uh, is the blend going to work out right now so the simple answer to that is no one knows um everyone's still figuring it out right every every school i know of is now sitting with the policy document and trying to figure out how to operationalize it um so now the, the good thing about the policy like you said is visionary it's radical it's very progressive um and it's it's also you know it's shaking things up really uh, at the school education level at least it's not to say that the policy is perfect there are some glaring gaps um but of course that's a story for another day so so yeah so i was saying that you know you can have you can have a great policy you can have a very visionary um sustainable development goals document but 
I mean, it, it, all those have to stand the test of the classroom at the end of the day, right? If uh, the educator and the child are not in a situation or not in an environment which enables learning, then, you know, everything is going to come to a grinding halt. So, um, ultimately, it's about that experience that an educator creates in the classroom that will help the child develop the kind of skills that he or she needs to, to, to navigate this new world that nobody knows, you know, what is, it's going to look like. Uh, we are not teaching for the jobs anymore. We are not teaching for the exam anymore, right? So, things like citizenship and empathy and um, collaboration, kindness, these are the kind of skills that are going to become more and more relevant as we go forward. I mean, if it already has not, um, we, are, we are already seeing that, that you know, um, an academic approach to uh, education has has gotten us this far. Now we are seeing and we've seen how fragile it really is, right? That systems around the world, not just India, every system in every country has broken. Correct? If we want to create um, citizens for the future, then we need, we need children to become responsible um, users of this planet. Yeah. That's got to be at the core of any education system yeah in fact the crisis confirms the importance of transformative education that we need in this society right now and one yeah. of the biggest challenges which even i was reading up upon was like probably to get the children back to school now after this whole situation so where are your thoughts on that and how they're going to adapt well, again a lot of things are going around uh, some reports say september some say November, some say December. <laughs> so really, the jury is still out there, nobody knows. And I know at least that the school that I'm uh, working with currently has no plans of bringing uh, kids back. And even if they do, it's got to, it, it will happen in a very, very phased manner. So, but we're seeing that that's not going to happen anymore. If a child has to learn at home, then he or she has to have the environment that supports right. that learning at home. Right? So parents also now need to come out and take a more active part and understand. So mm -hmm. today parents are able to see, they're actually able to see how, to what lengths schools have gone and to what lengths educators have gone to bring learning into the home. Correct. Now it's time for the parents to also step up. Meet, meet, meet people halfway. Yeah, and meet halfway. Yeah. <laughs> In the latter half, I speak to Dipta on the tectonic shift in the Indian education system. The Indian government had recently capped the duration and number of sessions in a day for students to 30 minutes for pre-primary and two online sessions which were 45 minutes each for standards 1 to 8. So let's listen to what Dipta has to say about the technological advancements that have uh, facilitated lockdown learning. So, uh, I, I let me begin with the technology bit first. Now, of course, technology is an enabler and, you know, it, it sort of it democratizes learning to a great degree. Um, but we are seeing in India that, in fact, technology-enabled education has only increased the, the learning 
divide much more, right? Uh, the, the large majority of our population uh, are people who don't have access to devices, who don't have access to uh, the internet, um, so or not even or have a very basic device at home to access their lessons through. So finding solutions to these these multi-layered problems that we have as as a country is perhaps going to be um, uh, the thing to look at in the next years at least. Um, if we can bridge that gap, then I think definitely uh, great things are possible. I actually um, had some stat on that when you said uh, the households that have consumption, right? So um, yeah. I was reading a survey which said that in India only 24% households possess smartphones while 11.5% households have a computer with internet connection. This clearly shows the gap that we face in our education if it were to suddenly go online which it did during the pandemic. So, I mean, everything you're saying is exactly true to the T. Yeah, I mean, we're we seeing that happen even in private schools, right, where a large chunk of the uh, student uh, population comes from well-to-do households. Um, there is a section of children who come from the uh, economically weaker sections. Um, and, and they have struggled. They have struggled to keep pace. In fact, um, a lot of the times, educators and schools have had to go out of the way to make sure that, you know, they learn, that they have, they're also learning along with the, the rest of their classmates. Um, so, yeah, these challenges are there and, and we have to find ways to overcome them. Um, every school is trying to find solutions that work best for its context. Again, this cannot be something that if, if, if one school has devised a methodology to reach out to all its students, the same thing will not work for all the other schools in the country. So it's really up to the schools and the educators and the managements to sit together and parents also, of course. Uh, to sit together and, and look at this policy really in its entirety. Because if if all of this, you know, this is what I always say, if, if everything is about ultimately uh, bringing in benefit to the child, then you've got to put the child in the middle of all of this. The child and all the stakeholders around it. Absolutely. And everyone's got to work together for the betterment and the development of that child. So, you know, we can have our differences of opinion and everything. I mean, and, and that's bound to be managements and parents groups don't decide, uh, don't agree. Um, the, the managements and local administrations don't agree. Uh, government and local administrations don't agree. So, you see, um, in all of this, the one component that is getting affected the most is the child and the child's learning. So, you know, the policy can say what it says, the SDGs can say what they say. Ultimately, it all comes down to that interaction that a, an educator has with her class and the individual students in that class, right? That is what will make the ultimate difference. You can have a bad education policy or you can have no policy at all but you may have a great educator who is willing to do what it takes to ensure that her learners develop the right skills that are needed for this 
for this world that nobody knows what it's going to look like right so um, so yeah it's, it's important to have a great policy but it will all come down to what each one of us is doing with it so managements have to look at it teachers have to look at it parents have to look at it critically because that is what this policy is saying the policy is is telling educators look you you wanted a system where exams are going to be a low stake affair and we've given you to that now going forward the board exams are not going to be you know do or die kind of situation uh, there because there will be a larger uh, common entrance exam uh, that will be conducted by the national testing agency to decide uh, admission into colleges um, so therefore the board exam marks will not matter as much as they do today but are parents ready to take on that extra load of enabling learning in the home environment um, if it's a class of 40 and if let's say a grade has three sections maybe they will have to be staggered as you know half the strength or maybe 33% um, so it's going to be a combination of let's say going to school on two days a week and learning online on the other days mm. so there's going to be this this blend of synchronous and asynchronous mm. learning that will that that seems more and more like the way that things are going to go right it's definitely like a possibility the tectonic shift in our education system those with world class tech platforms have enabled them to smoothly transition to online delivery mode whereas those without have really struggled to face it Yeah, because I read about the budget schools, the Angadwadi centers, and you know many others talking about like how are you going to bridge the gap with remote learning for these particular students over there, and uh, the ones in the cities fine are getting the quality education, but quality education really isn't for all at this this time and space. Yeah, that's true. That's true, and that's always been one of our struggles, right?
you know, reaching out to students. There are radio stations now. There's television channel. Uh, there are, of course, there is there is the app with all the content. Um, uh, it's called the Diksha app. It's a, and it's a portal. So there is content, but is it reaching? It came became a reality only because of COVID. Right. That is that is very disheartening to hear, but at the same time, it seems yeah. like a positive uh, outcome that's come about. But yeah, it's yeah, yeah, absolutely something like this is definitely going to have uh, you know devastating results as well as silver linings. Yeah, and uh, I think this the wake up call has come to everyone. How we are going to act based on that wake up call remains to be seen. Well, uh, I think that was pretty much summing up everything I wanted to ask you about this because the crisis confirming the importance of transformative education is literally what we spoke about towards the end. Yeah. And uh, and then coming back to a bit about you and your storytelling to continue with, how, how has that been? Let's end it on a, like a more pleasant note with, you know. <laughs> something which you're doing for the kids so which what is the background for the storytelling in terms of uh, the kids you're reaching out to now is there i mean i read david beckham and daniel radcliffe you know giving these reading out stories for kids during lockdown so how exactly have you materialized or momentized on your storytelling skills during this period leaving your educator yes. back to background aside no so because i'm anyway with kids right. every day I do get a chance to engage in stories and storytelling with them quite often. Uh, and that remains my largest audience, of course. Um, and and because, because I'm with the school, there's just so much work to do that there's barely any time to do any work outside. Mm -hmm. um, but having said that, I do small events here every now and then. Uh, and of course, everything right now is online. So I have been able to meet some other children from you know, different parts of the country. Uh, on and off. Um, so I think the one thing that I'm seeing as, as a storyteller now, speaking as a storyteller, is that people have realized the importance of stories and the importance of storytelling now more than ever. Um, just in the last three, four months alone, it's, it, you know, there's been an explosion of storytelling online. Hmm. Right. Uh, and, and there are interesting ways to reach out to their audiences and monetize their programs and so on. Uh, for many storytellers for whom performing was bread and butter. Um, so, so yeah, so I do continue to keep in touch with my kids because I see them almost every day. So for me that works. I don't, I don't necessarily have to go in search of an audience. Right. Um, so. Yeah. I, I remember yeah, I remember having a conversation with you sometime in April or May to try and uh, you know pro probably do a storytelling session along with you maybe yeah. maybe that's in the works Dipta now yeah 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 that would be great we can do something together maybe uh, do a combination of storytelling and read aloud maybe yeah sounds like fun Thank you so much for being on my podcast and talking to me about education this is actually one of the topics aside from empowerment and environment that actually keeps me awake at night i'm just 
you know constantly thinking about how best can we associate or collaborate with educational institutions or educators to at least put a little bit of a thought into the person's mind right like you know what uh, but and and we did speak earlier into the into the podcast about how the various stakeholders need to come together to make certain decisions that will be beneficial to the kid to the child and to the final player are many of those bodies actually present in india in comparison to the global scale uh, well again uh, i don't think that there is any organized body that's working to bring together these three stakeholders of course there are you know there are there are teacher development organizations separately right there are uh, teacher collectives that are working on you know just talking dealing with children and, right. and engaging them in uh, lessons and things like that then, then there are of course um, associations of schools but um, in fact that's what this is one of the things that the NEP also puts down hmm. that it says there has to be a constant flow of communication between the three stakeholders that right. is, and I, when i say three i mean the school the parent hmm. and the child conclusion i'm just going to reiterate what was said the story will never be the science the myth will never become the history i'm going to repeat that again the story will never become the science the myth will never become the history somewhere i feel our education has failed us in our sensibilities in the indian sensibilities towards understanding fact from fiction and i hope that asking questions and signposting the students thinking will help in developing future learning and uh, pave the way ahead for the next generation to come cheers